Um, this morning, I'm going to be speaking on community, and we have been uh, mixed, um, started off a series called The Rhythms of Grace, and we spoke last week about prayer. And this week, I'm doing the message on community. And then next week, Sam Barsley is speaking, and he's going to be doing uh, just a miscellaneous message on one of Jesus's parables, and then we'll get back into the rhythms of grace next term. So just before I start, Hannah is going to come and read the scripture, and we're just going to, we're going to start trying something a bit new. Um, some, some of these Sundays, some of our youth are going to read some of the scripture in Sadeo Māori as well. So why don't we just uh, stand, we love the word of God, and um, Hannah's going to read to us. Ae tonu rātou ki te whaka akoronga anga apotoro ki te kotahitanga ki te whawhatu paro a ki te enoi um, in English, Acts 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Thank you, Hannah. You can take a seat, everybody. So there's been a few things on our on as a community this week. Uh, some of you may have gone along to the Pilgrim Show. Uh, a number of our community here have been involved in that, and the youth went along and watched that. And I didn't go, but the rest of my family were able to, except for me and one of my boys. And they said it was wonderful, it was amazing. And if you didn't get to see it, that's a shame. But I'm sure they'll do another show next year. But they had their last show last night. So those of you that were involved in it, congratulations. All your hard work is done, and it was very well enjoyed. And yesterday, uh, Nellie said that her and Alex had been down at a training day for children's ministry. That was really wonderful. And as some of us went down in the evening, they had a parents' night for family discipleship. So that was really cool as well. And Nick and I, we are away this week at a, um, a get-together with all the vineyard pastors from around the country. We're all getting together in Tauranga, and we're going to have someone, um, a theologian, speaking to us for the week, encouraging us, and um, we're looking forward to that and getting together with some of the friends we've made in the vineyard whānau too, so we're looking forward to that. So getting into my message for today, so Hapuri community, and we have this wonderful illustration, don't we, in Acts 2, of um, the perfect community, the goal, the utopia of community. And I'll just read that out from Acts 2, uh, 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, that's a, a very beautiful picture of community, isn't it? And I'm sure we all long to be living in that and seeing that grow around us. 
and um, it's not too dissimilar to the, the vision that we have here at Kurimakoa. So we have a vision to be a people wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus and each other, actively participating in the kingdom of God spreading in the Manawatu and beyond. And just simply put, that's all about loving Jesus, isn't it? Going after Jesus together as a community and loving one another, doing life together, caring for one another. And all of this ends up in the kingdom growing. Um, and part of part of our flavour here as well at Kurimakoa um, is really articulated in our values. And one of our values that Nellie pointed to before, when before they took the kids out, was whanaungatanga. And whanaungatanga is defined on our little website the way we see it and the way it's widely seen is whanaungatanga is all about relationships and belonging, sharing experiences and encouraging one another in all of life, being whānau. We see whanaungatanga as a vital part of life and is the way through which we outwork our faith as followers of Jesus. You might notice here, you might see your face or a face that you know. It's a little bit grainy, that photo. I know it was a bit hard because it was dark because we were partying it up, having a disco at camp last year. So those were some of the party animals at camp last year, having a bit of whanaungatanga fun. We've got a cool camp planned for this year. We'll have another dance of sorts at camp, so be prepared, everybody, to boogie. And like last year, if it's not quite your cup of tea, there'll be yummies and hot drinks uh, and coffee <laughs> for those of you who want to sit that part out. But it was a lot of fun, so do, do enjoy. So I'm really passionate about community, and it's the way I see Father God modelling to us the way to do life. It's the way that we see Jesus when he walked on earth as a man. Uh, he modelled to us that that was the best way to do life as well. Uh, he even said, I think this is, yeah, I love this verse. This has been really meaningful to me in my journey. He said to the disciples, I knew, this is in uh, John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a little bit tongue twisty, isn't there? Lots of loving one another going on there. But <laughs> but I I really love that verse because isn't that the, the God saying to his disciples and to us that the love that we show one another shows other people that Jesus is the real deal, that everything that Jesus talked about and taught us is actually real and living, and you can trust him for what he says is true because the way people will see God's people interacting with one another. And this morning... Um, we've got this picture, don't we, in Acts 2 of um, the ideal kind of community life, but we, I'm sure, have all experienced and know that there's a lot of challenges to community. So while we've got that beautiful picture in mind that we see in the early church, I just wanted to talk about a couple of the challenges and, um, and then the how, some of the how of community. 
And this is just, like, you could do an awesome series on community, couldn't you? So I'm just kind of doing a skimming over the, the top. So um, hopefully it just provokes some thought and you can continue to think about community and converse about community uh, when you go home and when you catch up with each other. But I'll just kind of lightly go over the top. And so our number one challenge to community, I'm sorry, but it's us. It's you, it's me, <laughs> we are the biggest challenge to community. And um, even in the early church, they had this, you know, they gave us this beautiful picture, didn't they? They were articulating there in Acts, uh, this how community was working beautifully. But it also tells us in the New Testament as well, some of the challenges. There was definitely challenges that they had in the early church, didn't they? And um, we... We're challenging in community because we are fallible, imperfect beings who walk with uh, different limps, metaphorical limps from the wounds of life, and we're all at different stages on a healing journey. And we all, as well as that stuff, have the wonderful Bennett that we are adored and loved by an amazing father. And... Um, we all have gifts and talents that he sees and values that he wants us to be adding into the communities that we're in. But <coughs> back to the New Testament troubles. Sometimes there's a little naughtiness, isn't there, that we like to know that other people have troubles and not just us. <laughs> And there was these lovely ladies in the Bible. Well, I'm assuming they're lovely. I'm giving them the benefit of doubt. But their names, you may remember, um, Euodia and Syntyche are their names. And in, oh, it's in Philippians 4. I'll read it to you first. So what was happening is... These ladies were having some sort of disagreement between them, some sort of uncomfortability that wasn't just affecting them. It was causing enough disruption in their community that a letter was written to Paul to help us please with this situation. And um, Paul, at the time, was in prison, and um, it was believed he was in Rome, so he was quite a distance from um, Philippi. And their, whatever it was going on between them had got to such a level that they needed to get the help of Paul to implore these ladies to come together. And he writes in his letter, and this is in um, chapter 4 in Philippians, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And he's asking the, the community, the people around them, um, to help bring these guys together and pleading with those ladies, come together and to um, agree in the Lord. And that doesn't mean that they have to be carbon copies of each other, that they have to believe everything each other believes, but it just means to come together around Jesus. Come together around Jesus. You might have some differences, but let's get together and remember the, the love, the relationship that we have because we both love Jesus. 
So back all the way back then, they had the same sort of things going on that we do. And lucky for us, our tales won't end up in a book that's the most printed book, well-read, well-known book that's lasted over 2,000 years. I feel a little bit sorry for those girls, you know. I, in eternity, do they know that this has happened, that they're in <laughs> the book, <laughs> the most famous book? Yeah, but so another challenge is, so us, we are a major challenge. And a couple of the other challenges that you'll be aware of the community is uh, the digital world, and hurry. So we've been talking a bit into these as we talk about um, spiritual formation. We've been looking at this quite a bit this year. And spiritual formation is just about being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So digital technology, I'm pretty sure I don't have to convince anyone that this stuff's causing problems for us. Uh, when computers first came out, they were projecting that in the future, this is going to be great, it's going to be amazing. We are probably going to be only end up working three to four day weeks. But we know now, don't we, living in the future, that it just means that we can be more busy. We can take work home with us at night. We can work in the weekends. We've just added more and more to our lives rather than taking stuff away and being more helpful. Um, digital technology provides endless entertainment and escapism for us. It's at our fingertips. Social media, uh, it's well known now, well researched, uh, that that's doing damage to us and even more so to our young people. Um, oh my goodness, you know when you do a deep dive on this stuff, when you're going to talk onto something, I was just like, oh, want to smash my phone, want to get my kids' phones, smash the phones. <laughs> It's just terrible, all this data that's coming out at particularly how digital technology is influencing the way we connect with one another and our um, emotions, our self-esteem, our mental well-being. And so um, bringing boundaries to ourselves on how we interact with social media and if we're allowing our kids to have that, teaching them um, how to do that healthily and help them engage healthily and setting them up for when they're out of your care um, is really important. And Sherry Turkle, this is a woman um, in America. She is a professor at MIT. And I watched her TED Talk, and it was about a book that she'd written. She's written a number of books around a similar topic, but this book was titled Alone Together. And in this book, she... So she asked the question whether or not tech is bringing quality to our lives and makes the argument that we use technology to escape from reality and emotions, which in turn weakens genuine relationships. And um, there was so much good stuff in her talk, but I'll just read you yeah, just this one, one quote, from, quote from it. Technology is seductive when what it offers meets our human vulnerabilities. And as it turns out, we are very vulnerable indeed. We are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections and the sociable robot may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. The illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our networked life allows us to hide from each other even as we are tethered to one another. 
would rather text than talk. And she made um, lots of interesting points, but one of them that was so true for me, for myself, uh, she talked about when we are away from our phones. Say we leave our phone at home by mistake or we take a moment to be intentional. I'm not going to carry my phone around the house with me. I'm going to leave it on top of the fridge. Any of those situations, we then have a problem where we are feeling a bit anxious without our phone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we think we hear it ring. We think we hear it ding for a text. We think we hear it vibrate. And we go and check it, but there's nothing. And she made the point that it's become like a phantom limb to us. Like we're feeling something going on for the arm that we don't have anymore. And I just thought, oh my goodness, that is so true for me. I am definitely hearing phantom dings. Feeling phantom vibrates. The whole shebang. And so, yeah, that's definitely something in my life that I have to fight every day that I haven't won yet to be intentional about how I'm relating with my phone, how I'm relating with um, yeah, social media, um, what, you know, all those dopamine hits you get from scrolling and the reels and all that um, stuff that's slowing our attention span down our, and our ability for memory. Um, those are definitely things that I see in my life that I have to work on every day. And, um, and that's a really big struggle when you've got your kids coming through, wanting to get involved in all that stuff as well. And it's something I haven't even mastered yet so that I can pass on to them, hey, this is the way to do it. So another challenge is hurry. A lot of us probably know um, a well-known quote from Corrie Ten Boom. If the devil can't make you can't make us bad or make us sin, he'll make us busy. And if you have read John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he talks about, which a lot of people are talking about at the moment, something called hurry sickness. And it's probably a fair bet to say a lot of us in this room are caught up with hurry sickness. Um, a feeling of rushing, kind of time anxiousness, uh, something that John Mark had in his book that I was like, oh no, when I read it, uh, was you're always looking for the shortest queue at the supermarket. Counting up, you know, which queue to get in, which lane at the traffic lights has got the least amount of cars, get in that lane. You know, we're chopping and changing lanes to get ahead as we're driving if you've got a two-lane road. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's totally me. And uh, I read in this article that was submitted to a Christian leader's website, just sort of commenting on hurry sickness, and then in reference to Corrie Ten Boom's um, quote about if the devil can't make us sin, he'll make us busy, um, they just made this point that they don't think the devil has to really do too much in the way of making us hurry and busy now. We're all hurrying around, and it's actually um, a value of Western society. Um, hurry, busyness, if, um, and slow has bad connotations for us now. If a movie wasn't, you know, very good, oh, was bit, how was the movie? It was a bit slow. How's that restaurant? Oh, it was quite slow. Service was a bit slow. Um, we rate things as being good, you know, like on 
um, ratings for businesses, uh, five stars, very efficient. So it's all, this is kind of the, you know, when we look at A, we're like, oh my goodness, we do. We do value hurry. It is one of our values. And that's why we need healthy rhythms. That's why we need to be intentional about healthy rhythms. If we just kind of think it's a great idea and think it's a good concept, I must do that, but without the intentionality, we'll just continue in hurry. And um, we... We're called to live a countercultural life, eh? So when we start slowing down and putting intentional things in our life, um, people might think that's a bit odd around us, slowing down. And it might feel a bit odd to us because we're swimming against the tide. We're, we're putting heavier value on um, stuff that people around us may not. And um, that may cause some difficulty amongst friendships and maybe even expectations in workplaces. Hurry makes us miss things. As well as relating a lot on social media and um, you know, email and text, um, we miss things. We miss things. We miss emotions. We miss depth in conversation. And hurry makes us miss things because we don't notice people. We don't notice some of the things happening around us. And um, just a little example, when we were living in Christchurch a number of years ago, um, I had two toddlers at the time and I was pregnant and I just dropped Nick off to buy a bike. Um, he was at uni there and we were getting him a bike so that I could keep the car at home, do all the kids' stuff and everything, and he could bike to uni in the rain, yeah. And so um, it was raining that day, but he needed the bike. So we, I dropped him to buy the bike, and he was biking home with the bike. And on the way home, I was going around Hagley Park, if anyone knows Christchurch. And so Hagley Park, uh, if you flick up the next slide, this is what Hagley Park looks like. It's a big sort of green space. Um, kind of centralish in Christchurch. And so I was driving around that, and when I was sitting at the lights there, um, a work vehicle crashed into the back of us while we were stationary, and it gave us a, a really big fright because it had just, it was just in the, there'd just been the earthquakes. So we didn't know what had happened, me and the kids were actually doing a little bit of screaming until I realised what had happened. And our car had bookfought into the car in front of us. So I got the kids out. The kids were all crying. They were quite upset. And the car in front of us was uh, a businessman. And so once he kind of ascertained it wasn't me that had hit him, there was actually someone behind me that had bashed us all forward and was just working things out. And he, he was in a rush. He had a meeting to go to. So he was trying to figure out. I could tell he was looking at me. He's looking at the kids. It's raining. And he said, oh, I've got... Oh, I've got a, I've got a meeting to go to. I've got to be somewhere. His car was just had a little ding. It wasn't too bad. Mine was kind of mushed. Um, the boot was all compacted and like a station wagon kind of thing. I wasn't going anywhere. And he was kind of looking at me and he said, "Oh, is is there anything I could do? Can I, can I do anything? And oh, I've got to be somewhere. But I could, I could maybe I could drop you somewhere or something. But being me, not wanting to put anyone out their way, I was kind of like. Um, it's okay, yeah. and he was like, oh, okay, great, 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 and he jumped in his car, and, and he took off, and then I'm sitting there, <laughs> well, standing there, on the side of the road, it's like a four-laned um, roadway, it's raining, I'm 
got a big belly and I've got two little toddlers who are crying and I'm thinking, why did I say, it's all right, you can go? Like, what, what am I going to do? And so I was trying on my phone to get hold of Nick. He could bike back to us and take an aid, but he was in traffic on his bike. He couldn't hear his phone ringing. And I couldn't get hold of anyone. I couldn't get hold of any of my friends. I was trying to ring my parents-in-law, but they were in a meeting and I was just kind of stuck by myself. Eventually, my mother-in-law saw my missed call and um, called me. But in the meantime, all these people were just driving past us, just round and round, just driving past us, two little toddlers standing on the side of the road, crying while I was standing next to a smashed-up car with a big belly. And so people were just driving around us. And amazingly, um, though, there was one amazing, amazing woman. And she, after we'd been wet um, by this time, and she pulled up and she came running out of her car and she and she said, I'm so sorry. She said, I'm so sorry. I, I had to drive all the way back around Hagley Park because I was in the furthest lane from you and I couldn't come over. So she, we were up here and she drove all the way around. It would have taken her about 20, 25 minutes to come back and help us. And who, we could have been gone by then. But she drove around because she's seen us and she wanted to come and help us. And so it's amazing. I, I'm remembering it now. I'm getting all woo. But I was, just, I was just so blown away that this one lady stopped to help us and came and held my kids' hands while I was still trying to ring on the phone and, and everything. And um, just came and helped us in the rain. It was amazing. And I wish I'd gotten her number because I was in a bit of a stunned mode at that time. I didn't get her number. But I just would have been able to tell her how helpful and amazing that was and what a lifesaver she was in that moment. And, um, yeah, that was just a little illustration of hurry. And I, I hope I'd be that lady. Would I be that lady? I hope I would. Um, but as I was preparing this, I just, I just really, um, yeah, just felt, even like some of the messages, and particularly like um, Sam shared earlier, I just really felt that God was just wanting to say to people, if you're feeling alone in your situation, like everyone's rushing around you, um, and they're not seeing you, that you're not alone, that God sees you, that he cares for you, and that he's is with you. And so just kind of quickly to um, finish, how can we do this? I think we've talked um, a bit lately into like the tech and hurriedness. We need to be intentional about slowing down, spending time with God, being with others. And so I just wanted to talk into a couple of things. Um, how do we grow in community alongside each other? How do we do this? And one of the, um, well, what I want to do is just use some points that the wonderful Timothy Keller, if any of you have listened to any of his teachings, he's a really wonderful teacher that's been a, a great influence to me in my journey. He has um, a wonderful way of being an incredibly intelligent man but sharing um, incredible truths in a simple way. Uh, and I like that. That's my kind of thing. <laughs> and so I've learned a lot from his teachings, and unfortunately he passed away about a month ago. Um, he had, he had a, a long battle with um, 
cancer. But in his uh, teachings, I just wanted to share, he had three, um, three keys to community. Um, one of th- number one, affirm one another. Number two, share with one another. And number three, serve one another. So affirm one another. Take any opportunity we can to praise others' accomplishments and celebrate with them. Um, confirm people's gifts. If you notice something they're good at, tell them. Man, I notice you're really good at that. I love that about you. Tell people what they're doing is good. Encourage people that they're, they're a great parent. And encourage people that they're, they're doing a great job as a teacher. Encourage them that they're doing, you know, great. Now, make sure you know that, though. You know, don't um, just tell them they're, um, you know, great at being a teacher and you've never seen them do it. <laughs> Make it actual um, affirmation. <laughs> so observe them and what they do in their life and affirm people in the stuff that you see them being good at. Affirm them in the stuff that you see they're growing at. Stuff that you notice people in your community are making an effort to grow at. Even if it's not something they've accomplished yet, Tell them you notice. I notice you've been making a real effort in that. Or you've been telling me um, you've been really trying to do this in your walk with Jesus, and I know you're feeling a bit stink about it, but, hey, remind them, look where you came from to look where you are. Like, keep doing it. You're awesome. Um, And acknowledge the sacrifices you see people making. Sacrifices are hard, eh? But encourage people and acknowledge the stuff that you see them doing and acknowledge that it's hard and encourage them that what they're doing is awesome. And listen. Listen to people in conversation. Um, Be present with people. That's a really awesome way to affirm people. Share with one another. Uh, Share our spaces, goods, and our time. Um, That's hospitality and the nakitanga, isn't it? And um, there's lots of ways that we love to engage with this as a community. And there's still lots of room for us to grow as well. So, uh, you know, hospitality, have people in our homes. That's definitely one of the ways that we can do that. But it doesn't just have to be in our homes. Sometimes that doesn't work for whatever reason. And so you can do hospitality in a cafe at McDonald's. You can meet someone at the park, go for a walk down the river, and enjoy some time at the beach. Um, Wherever you do life, invite people to join you in it. And share one another's needs and problems. And that's one of um, the amazing privileges that doing this job um, is for us, is we get to see people doing that in lots of situations. We know stuff's going on in someone's life and we see someone coming in and sharing that burden with them. We see incredible acts of generosity where people know something's going on in someone's life and they ask us, it's such a, this is, guys, this is a great job. There's some awesome stuff that we get to be party to sometimes that's just very exciting. Um, We get to be the anonymous middlemen sometimes when there's financial situations going on. And then someone says to us, hey, can you give this to these guys? And um, that, that's very exciting, and seeing the joy that it brings to someone else or the release. And 
yeah, that that is super encouraging um, for us to watch, and we love singing it. And then the last one is serve one another. So um, I'll, I'll finish up soon, and I just thought we could finish with washing each other's feet today. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> So serve one another. So do things for each other. That's like, that goes without saying, isn't it? Like, yes, 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 do things with one another. If we know someone needs a hand with something, we know someone's moving, um, we know someone's got a crook back and their garden's looking in a bad way or whatever, like do stuff for each other. That's an absolute awesome way to do community. But some of the other things that we won't necessarily always think of serving one another is... Um, serving one another in accountability. Confess your sins to one another. Make this a normal part of doing life together. When we talk to each other about things we're struggling with, um, we break the power that it has in our life. And let's make this a normal part of community life um, in our community. Challenge one another. Challenge each other to grow. Um, and counsel one another. And be wise who you share stuff with. And also, if you are having stuff shared with, be wise as well. Sometimes people need um, more help than you can give. They need more help, or they've got something big that you can't carry alone. Encourage them. Can we uh, invite someone else to share this space with us so that we can carry this with you? And sometimes people need professional help as well. We can't do it all, and we don't have all the skills. And um, in lots of situations, sometimes we shouldn't um, counsel people about things. We need someone with expertise and serve one another in forgiveness and reconciliation and all of this uh, requires grace it requires time and it requires vulnerability and that's really hard and I just to finish I suppose I just want to leave us all um, with the challenge to be vulnerable um, and to make time and to make space to do life with others. And to be open and vulnerable. And you don't have to do that with everyone. Start with one person that you think, I'm, I'm going to open the door a little bit and be vulnerable. So when we engage in this, it works best if we all do it. If there's not just one or two people inviting people to have a meal or go for a walk, it works really well if we all take a step. Some of us can take big steps, some of us can take little steps. And so if it's a little step, it might be, I'm going to say hello to someone I haven't said hello to today at church, or I might offer a smile to someone. And that for you is a big step. But for another person, you're a a number of paces down the journey and a big step is I'm going to ask someone to my house for tea or I'm going to ask someone if they want to meet um, for a walk along the river, something like that. But as we all hopefully engage in a bit of challenge this morning or through the week, um, we also need to hold in that contention as well that we all come from different walks of life and different circumstances 
Um, some of us might uh, live by ourselves. Some of us might have a, a spouse and kids, but we've got no family in Palmerston North. We've got no um, extra supports. Um, some of us may be a single parent. Some people in our community um, may be widowed. So as we think about what vulnerability looks like in community and how we might um, step out at a space, um, consider too those in our community and how we can invite them into our spaces and what that might mean. So just as I um, finish, I just wonder if we could all stand and I might just pray for us all. Um, just, uh, yeah, I'd just like to do, just have a, an opportunity for prayer. And there's lots of different stuff going on in our community. Some of the stuff is known and some of it's unknown. But I'd just like to provide an opportunity that if you um, want to be brave this morning and um, say, put your hand up and say, I'd just love some people to pray for me this morning. Um, maybe I'm feeling a bit alone in this space of my life or I've got this circumstance going on um, if you can if you do that um, I can guarantee you this morning that the people around you will they will pray with you and they will be with you in that space and so so just um, if you feel that there's some stuff going in your life at the moment that you um, feel alone in and that you would like to bring to community this morning, um, why don't you just um, pop your hand up and if like Nick said um, you felt Holy Spirit touching on some deeper hurts in your life that God just yeah would like to do some um, transformation in today, some healing, why don't you just pop your hand up as well. What we are going to